This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells of Jay White. Good Thursday morning to you. Uh, going to have some fun today. Going to uh, feature a couple of great coaches and uh, look at a couple of uh, premier programs in the MACJC, the uh, Mississippi Association of uh, Community and Junior Colleges. Uh, our guest today will be Chris Kirtland. He's the uh, the head baseball coach at Jones County Junior College. Uh, Bobcats won the, the the World Series last year, so they're the defending national champions, rolling off a 54-9 and season. That seems uh, like a pretty high winning percentage. It's pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. No. And uh, they will start this season as the preseason number one team in the country. We'll talk to him about that here in about 15 minutes. Later on in the show, about 1035, we'll have Gwen Young on, who's the, uh, the, the women's basketball coach at Colan and the athletic director. And he has been winning for years and years and years, and not just winning. Um, like we talked about with uh, Coach Kirtland's record at Jones County this past year, he's been winning at a ridiculous rate for a long time and uh, is already the, the winningest coach uh, in the game and will go for win number 900 tonight. Uh, and That's if it, pretty good, too. Yeah, if it happens, look, it's, it's not like – it's not a Lenny Wilkins thing. You know, Lenny Wilkins was for a while, he may still be, I'm not sure, the winningest uh, basketball coach in NBA history. But part of it was just because of how many games he had coached. It was just, you know, it was a thing that was going to happen because he had coached for 400 years. And for a lot of his career, he's actually under 500, but still won enough games to be number one in wins just by being around. But uh, uh, if if Coach Young wins tonight, his his career record, if I'm not mistaken, will be 900 and 250. Uh, so that's, uh, uh, he'd have to go on a, significant losing streak to fall back to 500. Don't think it's going to happen. So uh, we'll talk to those two fine coaches uh, in the MACJC today on the program. Uh, that's coming up. And uh, in the meantime, we've got some some pretty interesting things, Sam, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you know, our state for the past couple of years has been seemingly more and more embracing uh, women's college basketball is, uh, I don't know how do I say it, a mainstream sport, I guess, or, or, or letting it onto the front page of their sports landscape collectively. Is yeah. that a good way to put it? Yeah, there were, there, you know, nor- <clears throat> throughout our history, I think uh, there has been uh, college football, there has been college basketball, and there has been college baseball. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, women's basketball is creeping up there, especially with the, when you got a top-four team in a country. Mississippi State. Yeah, it's easy to do that. Yeah, they've had a, a Sweet 16 season last year, and they're, they've been off to a remarkable start this year, ran off to a 20-0 and start, and they lost to South Carolina and Columbia earlier this week. And, oh, boy, the way that game ended. Controversy, as Bill Pito would say. <laughs> and, um, boy, I don't know if there is a thing that can cement – um, your uh, ascension to the big time than your fans uh, melting Twitter and Facebook and all sorts of social media after the referees uh, may have uh, foot faulted the end of a game. 
so to speak. <laughs> and that's what happened the other night. Uh, yeah. Maybe they didn't now look. State didn't help themselves. They missed some free throws. They missed a couple of close shots. Uh, but they also were not assisted by the referees very well in that game. Uh, and they lost a close one. And it ended their uh, 20-0 and start to the season. Uh, South Carolina, on the other hand, has won 29 consecutive SEC women's basketball games, which is a pretty remarkable accomplishment in its own right. But uh, Mississippi State, they're going to be around right till the end, it seems like. Um, they're one of the four or five best teams in the country, uh, not just in ranking or RPI, but they pass the eye test as well. But, man, when you get some referees... It's almost like uh, wrestling back in the, in the 1980s. I mean, you get the referees to mess up an ending and the bad guy wins and you send everybody home all mad. Uh, you know you've sold out the next show already. Uh, and that's kind of what happened to women's basketball this yeah, week. They've had great crowds up there uh, anyway. You know it's bad, Jay. I've, I've told folks that listen to our show many times. My wife is a big Mississippi State fan, and she's over here all been out of shape Monday night about this about this women's basketball game. And I'm like... <laughs> You know, we love Vic Schaefer. We've had him on the program. We, you know, we love uh, seeing Matt Insel and, uh, and uh, Joy, ne- I can't ever say her Joy name Lee right. Joy Lee McNeilis. McNeilis yeah. do, uh, do right. By the way, kudos to her and her program as they uh, basically joined with the rest of the Southern Miss Athletic Program and cleaned up Hattiesburg on, uh, yeah. uh, to assist with this, the, the cleanup with that uh, on Monday. But, Lauren, you know, she's mad about this. I mean, like, mad. Not <laughs> just, not like a little disappointed. And I told her, like, you know, first of all, it's... That's what happens on the road in the SEC, man. I don't know what to tell you. She looks at me uh, bizarrely when I complain about Alabama and Kentucky uh, games uh, and football and basketball uh, that uh, teams play and, like, you know, get over it. And I basically was like, look, they're one of the best teams in the country. They will win their next game by probably 20. They will probably coast their way into the SEC tournament, maybe having a tough time at, at uh, the Pavilion against Ole Miss because of the rivalry and because Matt Insel's team's not as bad as they've been, as they were last year. I mean, finished dead last in the SEC last year. So, and they should be back in the championship game probably against South Carolina, uh, you know, to play uh, yeah. the SEC title game. And then they'll be probably at least in the Elite Eight unless they get matched up with uh, UConn, which I don't see happening because I think they'll have a number one seed. So, I mean, they will be in the Final Four if they, are having a, if they have a number one seed. I fully expect them to be in the Final Four. So they can they can right that wrong a, Two two times over if they need to. Yeah, it will be interesting on and, a neutral uh, court. I might add because it's tough going on the road. That place was packed on Monday night to see that game in South Carolina. It was, and I did see. Here's another thing that kind of tells you when you've arrived a little bit: the ratings for that game, the television ratings. That game, um, the South Carolina Mississippi State women's basketball game on ESPN two, uh, outrated any program from that same day on NBC Sports Network. And and Fox Sports One, and there was another network I can't remember that now, but um, I mean it 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 did really good numbers. There was a car show on NBC Sports Network that night because I did flip by both those channels. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't remember what was on uh, FS1, but uh, the game was a compelling game. Mississippi State had a ten point lead when I was watching. Probably Skip Bayless. When I was watching it. Yeah, it probably was Skip Bayless or Some, uh, somewhere or another yelling at uh, at that old tight end <laughs> for the Broncos. Yeah. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Yeah. That's right. He kind of looks like a Bronco. <laughs> he's got a big like. He's a. Uh, he, he is hilarious. He's hilarious. I miss him on the NFL show. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, he's opinionated. Uh, let me ask you about uh, the this uh, basketball season, the men's basketball season. Uh, last night, Mississippi State uh, uh, beats Missouri at home. Ole Miss loses at home to Texas A and M. Ole Miss is so hard to figure out. Man, I, it seems like we've been saying this for 10 years, but 
you know, being the second year in the pavilion. And I think you get as many different opinions and takes on this as fans that you ask, Ole Miss fans that you ask. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make the tournament. I mean, I'd lean earlier in the year. I'd have said yes. I'd lean toward yes anyway. Right now, I'm kind of leaning toward no. Although, whatever they did in the pre-conference, their RPI is immune to whatever they're doing in, in, in league play right now. If, if the well, league is worried about their RPI, which, look, they've hired a firm to help them schedule games out of league and, and how to set up their, their schedule right to improve their RPI as a league, they just need to copy and, and, and paste whatever <laughs> Ole Miss did because they've been sitting at about 47 for two or three weeks now, and it doesn't matter what they do, they don't move in the RPI. Well, I mean, they're bulletproof right now. The reason for that is, A, they did have a pretty strong pre-conference schedule. They did play Creighton in a championship game. They were leading that game by, like, 15, by the way. Uh, and lost again, and lost the game in the second in the uh, second half. I joke around that uh, Hugh Freeze came in to coach uh, that oh. that uh, that basketball game for Andy Kennedy. And then the the conference schedule is padded a little bit with RPI because they played Kentucky, they played Tennessee, they've played Florida, they played, played Kentucky, Georgia. Florida one two right there at the beginning. And they played Georgia as well, and, and add South Carolina, and add South Carolina, and they beat Tennessee at home, which looks great now after the Volunteers knocked off Kentucky and they beat Mississippi State so soundly. Uh, last uh, last weekend. The problem with Ole Miss, uh, Jay, is that there is one person in the post who does anything for this team, and that is Sebastian Saez, and that is it. There is nothing else coming uh, in there at all uh, due to injury and uh, and things like that. And the other problem is that Cullen Neal and DeAndre Burnett are not filling it up the way Andy Kennedy thought that they would I, someone asked him did you think they would struggle to score in the league as bad as they have and he said if i did you should fire me right now <laughs> because wow i wouldn't have recruited them here if i thought that that was going to happen so that's the problem the the solution is basically hoping they can shoot their way out of it but the, but the problem there in lies therein lies the issue is that uh, against a&m they could not uh, they're losing out on opportunities to pad this record. They have a huge opportunity on Saturday with Baylor coming into the pavilion the first weekend that the students are, are back, which is another issue for Ole Miss basketball to tackle, that their student body has gone from December 1st to January 23rd. It yeah. not, does not help them at all. And so I'm going on and on about this a little bit longer than you probably wanted me to, but I asked. it makes Mississippi's, it makes the Mississippi State game on Wednesday, on Tuesday night of next week a must win because no matter what you think, and you and I had this conversation earlier this week, Mississippi State's ceiling might be high. I think Mississippi State has, I think anybody that you ask would say, sure, a state could go on a run and win the SEC tournament. I don't think that's possible for Ole Miss with the talent discrepancy between them and the Kentucky uh, or Florida's of the SEC. But State lost to Lehigh earlier this season without uh, without Quindary Weatherspoon. And they also just, lost torpedoed their RPI. And they lost another game too without him. Eastern East Tennessee East, State. East Tennessee State. Yeah. So their RPI is like one twenty. Those and, games were both at home. Yes. So. And uh, there was a game. Uh, Ole Miss played Missouri, and I heard Dave Neal in that game say Ole Miss hasn't had a bad loss yet. A loss to Mississippi State, be it at the Pavilion or in Starkville, is going to really crush their opportunity to go to the tournament. And they, which would only be righted by a victory over a top five Baylor team on Saturday, which they have a huge chance to right some wrongs uh, that they've done over the last couple of weeks in conference play. The if state, they can beat Baylor. The state situation is going to be interesting because by the end of the season, they're going to be, you know, I think 21-22 wins, something like that. I think they're going to have a decent conference record, you know, 11 or 12 conference wins, which would put them, what, 11 and 7, 12 and 6, something like that. Yeah. 
And their RPI is probably, I'm assuming if they finish like that, their RPI is going to be somewhere between 70 and 90. Yeah. And that is usually way too far back to be included in the tournament as they an at-large team. They won't be included in the tournament conversation as an at-large. Yeah. They needed to be Kentucky to do that, to uh, Mississippi State. But the thing is, it's, okay, so number one, if now, if, their two, if their big two losses were or was without Quindary Weatherspoon. Will they take that do, into consideration? Right. Do they, do they take that into consideration? And then number two, you know, a lot of it is they still use RPI, but they're starting to kind of de-emphasize it a little bit. If State is obviously one of the best 30 at-large teams at the end, how seriously do they look at them? You know, because look, if they put an SEC team in the tournament as an at-large with an RPI of like 75, man, they are going to catch it from everybody. Yeah. But, I, I mean, Mississippi State, by March, if you look at the way they are in March and what they were looking like in November, it will look like two completely different teams. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen them play all those games, it will look justifiable. But from the outsider looking in, if you're just looking at the black and white numbers on the page, you're like, "What? no, this is impossible, and you're ridiculous for even thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, even as talented as they are without uh, Quindary Weatherspoon, they still should have won both of those games. I, you know, I, I'm not, tr- I don't. I agree. The, the, There's we, no planet where Mississippi State should lose to Lehigh. And that the, game is, that specific game, because Lehigh, Lehigh, I haven't looked at where they are lately, but they spent most of the season outside of the top 200 in yeah. RPI. I mean, both of those teams, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, uh, should have enough talent to sustain a player or two going down for a game or two and be able to win games against the likes of East Tennessee State and Lehigh. I mean, I, I don't think that I'm, I don't think that I'm uh, putting the car before the horse here about that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't and, and that's where the programs, I think both of them would, I think both Andy Kennedy and Ben Howland would tell you on this program that they that is the case. Going back to the Ole Miss situation, here's the big question about them. Uh, if they miss the tournament this year, uh, you you got to start asking yourself about you know, if, has have you hit a glass ceiling with Andy Kennedy? And, and I, I hate to... <laughs> a beautiful to, $100 million glass ceiling. <laughs> right. You've got that brand new building, and it is gorgeous. Uh, and it is it is a first-rate, top-shelf facility. Um, and if you're missing the tournament the first two years you're in there, um, I don't know. The The question needs to ask is, when do we hit the panic button? Uh, and And so, I don't know. When a guy's, what, 12, 13 years in... I'm the winningest it's, coach it's, in program history. It's a difficult. It's a di- it's a difficult question. I would say this, and I don't know that Ole Miss maybe want to use Mississippi State uh, as an example to how they want to answer their questions. But you know, when Stansbury was going like he was at Mississippi State, he won a bunch of games, and even in his bad seasons, they were pretty good. But you kind of knew that you had to rip that bandaid off at some time because you felt like the best of that had had gone away. You were never going to bottom out as long as he was there, but you you felt like you had already done the best that you could do with that situation. So you you take him out of there, and then the replacement is Rick Ray, and then you do bottom out. But ultimately, it led to what you're getting right now. You got Ben Hallen and you know uh, nine of recruits, yeah, nine top 100 <laughs> players over the last two or three years, and a couple more looking at this next recruiting class. Yeah, I'll say this: that's about the Andy. question you've got with with Andy Kennedy and Ole Miss. You know, you're not going to bottom out with Andy Kennedy there. It's just not going to happen. But how high are you wanting to reach? 
And, and will you ever get there with Andy Kennedy? That is the question. Yeah. I'll say this about him. and We only have like 40 seconds. <laughs> Ole Miss has to address the, the, the situation of the students being gone from, for literally the entire basketball season or for two months of the basketball season. That's mm-hmm. a problem for anybody who's going to come into that situation. You have zero home court advantage from, Dej- from early December to late January, period. Yeah. That's, uh, that's ridiculous that uh, anybody would have to deal with that. And uh, two, he should have one year to recruit to the building. But after this, after next season, then in the conversation needs to be had. All right. That's Sam Wells giving you his take on the Andy Kennedy situation right there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Chris Kirtland, the head baseball coach of the number one ranked Jones County Bobcats and uh, defending national champions also. That's coming up. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Our, fur- our first guest is the head baseball coach of the defending NJCAA Baseball National Champions and also the number one team coming into this season in the country. Chris Kirtland, the coach of the Jones County Bobcats. Coach, welcome back. How's it going? Guys, thanks for having me. Things are going good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So- can't be going much better, can they? <laughs> Let me ask you about, uh, uh, first off, I see where uh, you guys have a, a big home stretch coming up to start the season. The season starts in just a little bit over two weeks. And uh, you got a bunch of games in Ellisville to start the season against teams from uh, uh, really all over the country. So how's that been for you guys, uh, maybe as opposed to before? Uh, you got the the championship banner that you're going to hang in the park this year, and I know JC JC is 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 no stranger to uh, big accomplishments in baseball. But being the national champion, how did that affect how you scheduled this this coming year? It can have an effect for sure. You, you go out and try to find opponents, and some want to come and play at your ballpark, and some don't. Um, but luckily for us, I think in the area of the country uh, that we play, uh, having a warmer climate. And those snowbirds, we call them up in the north, they want to get down and, and get some hot sunshine early in their season to just be outside and play games. So luckily we're able to reach out to some teams that are uh, north of us dealing with some weather issues early in season, like in February, that want to come down and, and play in the sunshine. So we reach out then and try to get a non-conference schedule of opponents that are looking looking for some sunshine to get down and play play baseball early in the year. And then we find ourselves in, in conference play, which is always a, a set uh, schedule ready to rock and roll when conference time rolls around. So, uh, you know, you kind of balance things out and try to get play some games at home. And, you know, somehow, I don't know if it was 
if it was last year or what, but somehow the, the Mac Jack has us playing 10 or 12 games in a row on the road during <laughs> our conference schedule. I don't know how that happened, but uh, we'll have that challenge ahead of us once we get to March. That that Good is. Thing we're at home in February. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, your conference as you go uh, at East, at Hines, at Northwest, at East Central, at Northeast, at Southwest. Mercy, uh, it's unbelievable, uh, isn't it? I guess they wanted you to earn it. Um, yeah. So uh, that's pretty interesting. So yeah, your 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 pre-conference schedule. I mean, you, especially this this. Uh, this home slate to start the the season. You know, you're playing teams from Tennessee, Alabama, Missouri, Louisiana, Illinois. Uh, and then uh, you go to Louisiana, and another Illinois team comes in. But then I see where you see uh, where you play uh, a set of games against Millsaps College and Spring Hill College. Now, how does that work? I mean, you guys are you guys are a two year JUCO and you're playing four year schools. How does that work? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you get to a point when you're scheduling non conference games where things might not work out and you can't find another junior college uh, to even go play. I, I, I felt like I called every single. Uh, junior college in our region that was that was realistic to go and play and uh, no one had an open date but what you're finding is that some of these regional four-year schools uh, have their own JV team that they call it which Mm -hmm. would be their first year and second year players Uh, so they they have a team that is looking for games uh, to play against two-year schools Uh, so it worked out to where we're able to, to go up to Millsaps and Jackson and play their JV squad and then also go to Mobile and play Spring Hill College uh, and their JV team. And that's great for our players to go see different college campuses and, and to get out and about and see those things and then also uh, play some competitive baseball games. And you guys are right in the middle. Of, we're speaking with Chris Kirtland, the head baseball coach at Jones County, defending national champs and uh, preseason number one team uh, in the country for the 2017 season. You guys are in the middle of a ridiculously fertile baseball ground uh, for recruiting. I, I, I've, I talked about how uh, you know Scott Barry hits this the, the same. I mean, it, it's harder than this, but man, there's about six or seven schools you can rattle off where they're pulling guys from all the time, and they just continue to have this this uh, great baseball cor- program. Corky Palmer kind of started that off, and I mean, you've got all of these high schools that just regardless of how many kids they do or don't or what what classification they're in, they have these amazing baseball teams year after year. So how do you approach your recruiting? I know um, in the MACJC, they take a little bit of a different approach than you see with any other groups in the country. You have limitations on out-of-state scholarships and different things like that. You've got, in baseball, even more than in football, you've got 15 or 14 other schools that you're running up against for recruits. How does that work? How do you How do you attack that? Yeah, definitely. You have a different set of challenges in our conference and in our league than you may in others, but um, I think it's a, a similar approach no matter where you are. You want to spread out and, and find the best players that you can possibly pursue uh, to, to one-day coach. And so uh, we try to establish a connection with high school coaches around the state, and, and, and we try to spread our wings a little bit and see as much baseball as possible, uh, whether it be uh, – tournament play in the summertime or moving into the prep season for high school ball and then uh, in any type of all-star type events where you're going to find good baseball players who are competing at a high level 
and, and we pursue those guys. And, and, and with the approach that Jones Junior College is a great place to come and play college baseball and, and a great college to go and get your education and a great start to propel your baseball career into the future, uh, competing at a higher level after Jones County Junior College, whether it be uh, at the NCAA level, uh, competing to play in another college World Series, or at the professional level, uh, one day, you know, achieving the dream of becoming a big leaguer. So, um, you know, we just want to go and find the best players that we can in the state of Mississippi first and, and, and try to get those guys to become JC, JC Bobcats and then, and then go find a couple guys from out of state according to the rules we can carry for. Um, and you find those guys and, and, and you try to put a team together. And then it's about building something special and creating that chemistry once they get to campus. You know, four out-of-state scholarships, I mean, does it really matter or, I mean, do you put, uh, you know, an extra emphasis on how you use those? I mean, I know some some schools have to, but, I mean, if you're doing well in state, ultimately, I guess that kind of, it, it demeans the value of what that means to, you know, to, to sure. kind of, I guess, put extra emphasis on your out-of-state recruits. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, and, and different years call for different approaches and different theories on how you're going to use those out-of-state spots. But I'll tell you something that will make you proud uh, as far as the state of Mississippi goes. Uh, we went up to Enid, Oklahoma, to the World Series to compete on the national level, and we brought one player from outside of the state of Mississippi. Wow. We had one on our roster last year going into the World Series, um, and we were fortunate enough to, to win the whole thing with – Mississippi players uh, all on the team but one. So we didn't even need all four last year, but that's not necessarily the case every year. And, and you know, you, you, I guess you, you kind of got uh, those four spots for out-of-state players, and, and you kind of, for us, we want to get the best players from inside of the state of Mississippi and then see what's left and usually later on whether it be um, college transfers, reverse transfers back to junior college, um, or, or players that uh, kind of pop up late on the scene from outside of Mississippi that we can add to the roster that fits exactly what we need at that point is sort of the approach that we take with it. So let me ask you, uh, before the polls came out and you were listed number one this season, and I know you don't want to give away the story to your players you know, and keep those guys grounded, but what did you and and your staff think? I mean, did you looking at your roster and maybe how you recruited? I know it's I, – I am continuously amazed, not just – I mean, all of the junior college sports – what the coaches have to do to to constitute these rosters every year. People just, I don't think they think about so, so much of the sports we watch are, you know, the NCAA, and that's a four-year cycle. And you guys are turning your entire roster over every two years. And that's just, that's it's a lot of fun to think about, but it's got to be maddening for you guys, although you're probably used to it. But coming into the yeah, season. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. You, you know, uh, there's a different set of challenges to maintain Stability within your program if you're going to lose half your team each year. Yeah. So you've got a, a two-year school, a two-year team, and, and you're going to lose half each year, and you want to reload and try to uh, remain as competitive as possible. And, look, we don't put much stock into a preseason poll or a preseason ranking. Um, I don't know if there's ever a trophy that you get for a ranking in January. I think the, the, the ranking in June is going to matter most after the dust has settled in the last game has played. So honestly, 
we haven't even discussed any type of ranking or poll at our practice one single time. <laughs> there's no player that has brought it up, and there's no coach that has brought it up because, honestly, when it comes down to us playing catch and trying to hit the baseball on the field, that's irrelevant. Yeah. But taking a step back, as you said, um, it's great recognition for the program. It's great recognition for the state of Mississippi and for Jones County Junior College. So it's something to be proud of for sure, um, and it's great recognition. But at the same time, you gotta you got to earn it on the field for it to really mean anything at the end. Before we let you go, let me ask you about the league. How, how far has this league come? I guess, how was it when you got it, and, and how has it changed by now? I know... You know, schools are continuing to uh, devote themselves to getting better at baseball and the facilities that are coming along. You guys have been a part of that are really, really remarkable. A lot of these are better than than, you know, most of the Division One facilities that you see in different parts of the country. And the coaches these guys are hiring. I know Reeves just went over to uh, Delta and Clay Smith at Colin a couple years ago. The coaches keep getting better and and the money spent and the facilities being built just continues to improve. I know it has to make it more difficult, but more fun at the same time. You're exactly right, Jay. It is an extremely special league because of the coaches in it. I got so much respect for every single coach in our league because you see that they, the way that they run their organization. Each program continues to get stronger each year, um, and, and the importance placed upon these student-athletes becoming better men and becoming more mature individuals is what's first, and that's why you see so much success. Um, I think every team in the state is going to compete for uh, national recognition every year, and that's special for the state of Mississippi. Uh, but within our league, it's just a great, it's a great opportunity to compete at a high level, and it's great for our players. And I love to see the investment that each school has continued to make in athletics as a whole because it's great for the, young, for the young student athletes here in the state of Mississippi and the ones who get to compete in our conference. Absolutely. I know, uh, you know, you guys won the title last year. Everybody, I think, knows what, you know, Meridian has done over the years. Hines came a long fly ball uh, just, a, you know, a couple of feet away a few years ago. So, man, it's exciting. It's an exciting part of the season, and uh, we're glad that you guys have uh, received these accolades, number one, to start the season. And I know to begin the year, you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Your fans are going to have fun uh, putting that banner up and seeing those championship rings and stuff like that. Coach, congratulations on uh, what looks to be another great year coming up. Hey, thank you guys so much. It was great being on here with you, and uh, go Bobcats. There you go. Chris Kirtland, head baseball coach, Jones County Junior College, the defending national champions coming off a 54-9 year, number one uh, in the preseason polls for 2017. We say 16 days away from first pitch for them, and they'll have a, a big homestand to start the year in Ellisville uh, before they go on a <laughs> sizable league road trip to start the schedule. That is random. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Gwen Young, who was going for number 900 in his career tonight uh, on the floor for the Colin Lady Wolves. We'll take a break. We'll be back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org.
Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White, and we have uh, the honor of welcoming in Gwen Young, the uh, head women's basketball coach at Kapaya Lincoln Community College and the athletic director as well. Uh, I, w- I would imagine it's the bigger part of his job, but uh, maybe not the one he's most known for, interestingly enough. Coach, got a big night ahead of you tonight. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Well, you know, a lot of people have made a lot about uh, the the number that you're looking to hit tonight, 900 career wins. But, uh, you know, I've I've seen, watched your program from afar for a long time, and and you guys just keep, it's almost, you guys win with such regularity, it it almost, uh, it, 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 it takes away the importance of the work that you're doing. It's just almost an expectation. How do you set that standard that that your ladies and you continue to to hit every single year without exception? Well, you know, it's it's one of these things that I've always, from a start with, that um, is you work hard, mm-hmm. you know, and you work as hard as you can, so you don't have any regrets at the end is maybe you didn't go see this player or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of way from the get-go that we I've always done. And whenever I had somebody that was my assistant is we didn't want anybody to outwork us. And that we've got a lot of coaches in the league now in every sport that really work hard, but we don't want anybody to outwork us. Um, and, you know, hopefully what we've done and, you know, with our players and everything is, we want to make sure they get in line to try to graduate and make sure they're acting right, and, you know, doing everything we can to help them get to the next level. And we've had a lot of kids. We've been lucky. We've had some good players. Uh, they bought into the program, um, you know, and when you get some people that do that and they'll just play hard, then, you know, some good things will happen to you. So, you know, we've worked hard and we've been lucky and we've been lucky to get some good players, uh, and just over the years and continued to do that, uh, you know, and I think it all just a lot of it boils down to working hard. And I don't know whether, you know, the reputation that we've done well helps us or not because, you know, sometimes we go out and recruit and, you know, you ask them, you ever heard of Colin? I mean, I had one that lived within 50 miles. I never heard of Colin. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much it helps or not. <laughs> Coach, you hear about all these, you know, uh, you see Nick Saban win all these games and, uh, you know, all he, he has the scowled look on his face and just like, oh, it's a process. We got to keep doing this, keep doing that. Uh, do you ever, at late at night when you're sitting around kind of reading some of this stuff, especially going into tonight's big game, and think like, you know, we've actually done pretty pretty good. We've done pretty well for ourselves. I, and pat yourself on the back a little bit. I know a lot of other people are, and coaches, you know, the next game is the most important game. But, uh, you know, you got to have a little bit of a, of a, uh, of a gleam in your eye, a little, a little pride in what you've done over the years, though, huh? Well, you know, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, you know, it's like the game. This game is it's not, it's really not any more important than the first one or the, 99th when we played or anything, you know, you want to win every time you go out. Most coaches are going to be like that. Um, but, you know, I, I am proud of what we've done. Uh, I, I know it, it's not all me. You know, it's kind of like I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, if you see a turtle out on the fence post out in the country, 
He didn't get there by himself. <laughs> Somebody had to put him there. Well you put. Know, a lot of people, and if he's a big turtle, a bunch of people may have helped get him there. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's been a lot of people that's been helpful, you know, and supported us and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's great for that. You know, I mean, I'm just, uh, I made where, you know, I like to win. I like to win the right way, hopefully, uh, and try to, accomplish something with our players. I mean, it's really good whenever you see a bunch and they kind of come together and they start doing some things you want them to do. Um, and it's like I told somebody the other day, they asked me to fuss them as much as I use it. And I said, yeah. I mean, I said, I fussed this bunch a lot this year because they're not doing some of the things I want them to do. But they also, hopefully, they know that we're trying to get them to a certain point and they know it's, it's constructive criticism trying to get them to another level, you know, whether it's in the classroom or whatever. Um, you know, and I think they buy in that stuff. It makes all all of us successful at it. Gwen Young is our guest, athletic director, head women's basketball coach at Kapaya Lincoln Community College. Uh, coach going for win number 900 on his career tonight. Let me ask you about the assistant coaches that you've had over the years. You at the at the very beginning, uh, you I mean you set the standard by talking about how hard uh, that you and your staff work. Uh, the the standard that you set, you know your your assistants have to maintain that at least that standard as well. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the role that they have played in your success over these years. Well. I'm going to start from the end and go back the other way uh-huh. because I really hadn't had that many assistants. And it basically starts that we've had Nikki Williams here the last four or five years, one of my former players who was a first-team All-American uh, for us and then played at Lamar University, and she played overseas three years. As the one that's been here with me where she was, that was her job. Um, and that's the only one I've had that's been what we would call a full-time assistant. Mm-hmm. And she's done a great job. Well, before that, we uh, had somebody was helping. Uh, Cliff Fur was helping with the men and women's program. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before that, you know, we've had somebody that was like a student here that helped me out some, and then we had Paul Johnson. Uh, along the way, it helped with the men and women. So it's really been in the last four years that I've had somebody that is a, has been just a assistant for me. And, uh, you know, everybody we've had, you know, it's it's like, you know, a buy-in to it. It's, it's not just about me. We're in this together. Uh, we don't want anybody to outwork us. They may work as hard as us, but don't let them. We're going to go to the games. We're going to see it. Uh, we're going to tell the players the truth, you know, when we go in, uh, we want them to know up front, you know, that everything's not going to be rosy. You know, sometimes, you know, Hey, we will not be getting on you if you're not acting, doing right. Um, we want to know it all up front and, uh, you know, we have a lot of people bought into it and I think they've looked at what we've done over the last, you know, which I've been here since 75, 76, um, and it's over the period of time, if you're messing up and you're not treating people right uh, and you're not working hard and doing some things, then you get a reputation for that also. So, you know, my deal is, hey, ask anybody around and, you know, basically we're not doing right, don't come here. Right. Um, but, you know, we feel good about the way we're trying to do things. You know, whether it works out every year, I don't know. But, you know, we've, we've had some players that's bought into it and parents have and, 
know, I think we've done pretty well for ourselves, you know, last few years. Digging back again into the 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 thought of how hard that you work to be the the women's basketball coach at Colin, also being the athletic director. Am I reading too much into how it is that 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 you have to juggle those two jobs together, or how much how much uh, you know I guess trust do you put into the different coaches that you have over the different programs, and how, you know how much does that help you? Well, you know to answer that question, um, I know you don't know this, but. I actually retired like six or either seven years ago mm-hmm. and started drawing my retirement. Um, but that would give me more time to be basketball coach and AD. Before that, I was also the dean of students at Colin. <laughs> so, I mean, I was getting to the point where it was a little bit too much, so I retired so I could just devote that time. But the part on the AD, mm-hmm. it's times where it's consuming and stuff that comes up that you got to do. Uh, but the thing that we've got here, basically, I don't have to worry about whether my coaches are working because they want to win. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that makes it easy. You know, it's the part where, you know, you've got eligibility and stuff like that, um, which there are times that, you know, you have problems with that and everything. But with the coaches, uh, you're not having to worry about whether they're going to get out and work hard and do some stuff like that. You know, we've got a pretty good group here, and I hadn't had to worry about that part of it. Uh, and that's where I think, you know, the problem, and I've, I've been doing it so long that, you know, I'm able to juggle it around and make sure everything is, you know, working. So, you know, it's hard sometimes, but, uh, you know, when you got a bunch of coaches that's going to work hard and, and try and they want to win, uh, not just go through the motion. They're doing the extra things. You know, it makes it easy on me. Well, Coach, before I let you go, uh, I mean, a person could take one look at you and see that you've got a lot of gas left at the tank in spite of the fact that you've been coaching, uh, you know, this team for four decades. So, you know, 900 wins, uh, you know, all the MACJC state championships, the Region 23 titles, uh, you know, um, junior co- National Junior College Hall of Fame, Mississippi so- Association of Coaches Hall of Fame, uh, Colan Hall of Fame. Uh, h- how much longer do you want to do this? Have you defined that number? Uh, are there are there you know things specific things that, that you want to hit uh, accomplishments well, as a team uh, before you decide to uh, hang it up? Well, you know, if you're successful, it makes it harder. But uh, when I watch a ball game which my wife is is great. She loves basketball, too. For for the pure watching games and everything, mm-hmm. she probably likes it better than I do. <laughs> so, I mean, that makes it good. Uh, whenever I'm watching a game, and we're always watching on TV, I'm really I'm serious. I've got a pen and a piece of paper sitting beside me. If I see something I like, I draw it up. Yeah. So, I ain't lost that edge on it. I mean, I still really like the coaching part of it um, and enjoy, you know, seeing success and then being able to do some things that you're trying to get them to do. Uh, I can't say when that time is because, I mean, I really still like that part of it right now. Um, Got a lot of good friends here. A lot of people, they won't let you uh, think too much of yourself. I've got, I remember when I won my 700th game, uh, I won't say it exactly the way one of my better friends told me. He said, uh, <laughs> he said, dang, you won 700 games. And he, he spoke up and said, 
well, if you've been coaching 70 years, said you ought to have said <laughs> So, <laughs> that's the kind of friends I got around here, and it's uh, it's good. And, uh, you know, we're in a good position here, uh, family not too far away. So, yeah. You're it's, a, it's, it's been a great situation, Paul. You're a Colin guy, graduated from Colin, but coaching there, you know, all this time. Um, you're an you're institution in Wesson there. Has, during this time and this run you've had there, has anybody from a higher level tried to come along and kind of sweep you off your feet and, and, and take you off to, to wherever their campus is? Uh, you know, I've, I've had some opportunities, um, but I wasn't, you know, I've always liked it here for sure. Um, and because of family and everything, and some of the times it was to be, you know, assistant coach, and I never felt like I wanted to do that. And then a couple of times, you know, it was on something, you know, that maybe come up, and, you know, if you come in there and you prove yourself, then they're going to try to pay you. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to go in. If I've done pretty well here and I go somewhere else, I want you to pay me and start with me and not wait for me to – you know, come in there and show you that I can do it, and then you're going to pay me. I'm with you, pay Coach. I, don't I can't do it, then get rid of me. <laughs> I'm with you. I ain't, I'm not going to go work for free either. Right. <laughs> well, Coach, uh, uh, all the best to you. Uh, continued success. Uh, the game tonight, uh, if the schedule's still right, they hadn't changed the time, 5.30 start, uh, and the right. Lady Wolves are in Meridian. Uh, right. And uh, the the they'll take the floor twelve and one with a two point loss. Their only uh, uh, mark against them on the season. Uh, congratulations again on 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 everything that you've accomplished and and the the standard that you continue you and the and the ladies continue to set year after year. And I imagine when you take the court named after you again on the thirtieth against Pearl River, uh, they're going to have uh, some sort of a celebration in wait for you. Uh. I probably will. I can do without it, but probably will. <laughs> that is assuming victory, and I don't want to take anything away from Meridian. That's assuming you guys uh, go out there and get uh, it. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to play for sure. Right, no doubt about it. Pat. Coach, thank hey, you listen, so much. We, pre- we appreciate the work y'all doing for both. Hey, absolutely. In Mississippi. Thanks a lot, Coach. Thanks for coming on. All right, thank you. All right, Gwen Young going for win number nine hundred. Tonight and again uh, with that win, uh, career record would be nine hundred and two fifty. I don't mean to keep bagging Lenny Wilkins, but you know, say the other thing: yeah, all-time winning SNBA coach there, uh, but uh, also led in all-time losses. I think Connie Mack had, did the same thing in baseball because he coached uh, uh, the Philadelphia Athletics for like fifty-two seasons or something like that. But uh, not so with Gwen Young, nine hundred and two fifty. That's uh, well, let me say, let me, let me let me stop beating Meridian over here before the game takes place. Eight ninety nine and two fifty, the record right now. I'm gonna catch it from Meridian. Gonna catch it. We're gonna take another quick break. Come back and wrap it up. Uh, Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. We'll be right back. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission.
Welcome back. This is MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells and Jay White. Got a couple minutes here. I just want to say. I don't know who tries to get the winningest basketball coach in women's college basketball or women's junior college basketball to come work for them for free. Right. But they're stupid. <laughs> That's ridiculous. No money up front here. Uh-uh. Uh, that's, nah. nope. You know, JUCO budgets can be weird, especially, yeah. you know, over time. They're better now than they've been in the past. But they got to have at least like 50 bucks for me to get like something to eat. Right. I mean, come on now. Give me a per diem or something. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So in these last couple minutes, man, I want to say, you, you listen to the two coaches we had on today. That's just a couple of many in the MACJC. And I don't want to sound like a JUCO commercial here, but there are so many parents that I talk to of athletes who are on the fringe of signing with four-year schools. And, you know, some of them may have fringe Division One talent, and they want so badly for their kids to get into that area. But they think, okay, well, you know, maybe I got to sign with, uh, you know, a Division Two school or an FCS school. It's not necessarily what I want to do, but it's, it's what we might have to do. And I'll ask them, well, are any JUCOs recruiting you around here? And I'll say, yeah. And I'll say, just like that. And then they'll name two or three or four people in, in uh, schools that are recruiting them here in town. Man, you got to not think of it like that. You know, you listen to the two guys that we just talked to today. There are so many coaches that will not just prepare these people as athletes and give you the best instruction that you can find, period, regardless of level. But also, these schools are built to help people grow into the people that they need to be to handle success and to pursue the success the proper way and the way that they need to. And I'm telling you, you don't, especially as scholarship athletes, you do not need to look at Mississippi's junior colleges as a fallback plan, especially if you're a player who's maybe been scouted or recruited on the fringe. You need to look at them as a go-to plan, not a fallback plan. Because there are coaches all over this state that are easily good enough to be at four-year schools, higher levels, different places, things like that. In every sport, every sport, all the way up and down. That's part of why there's, you know, the, the, the schools in Mississippi and the JUCOs are ranked in every sport. That's why they win national championships in every sport. Every sport you can think of, they've had a great level of national success recently. It's not like a historic thing. It's like right now happening. Uh, And it's not just, you know, not just an option academically, but for student athletes as well. So if you're a parent going through that, think about that. I'd like to thank our guest, Coach uh, Chris Kirtland from uh, Jones County Baseball and Coach Gwen Young. Good luck tonight. That's MPB Season Pass. We'll be back next week.